Wait a minute. You like wrestling. Of course I like wrestling. That's why I hate it. Outlaws. Wrestling is better than the things you like. Outlaws. You'll take those rattlesnake fangs and you'll stick them right in my ass. What? episode 43 of the middle-aged outlaws podcast adam how the hell is it going it's going pretty good what about you all right thanks i good looking forward to getting into 1996 with you yeah a time a time of wonderment a time for debuts a time for well let's see if it's time for you to guess who was the uk number no let's <laughs> You've you've um you're on a hot streak. So let's see if you can keep it going. How did you this week we're we're gonna talk about Survivor Series nineteen ninety six. <clears throat> Thought it was apt to talk about given that we're in Survivor Series season. Um yeah. everything current about WWE at the moment is Roman Reigns. And everybody seems to think that he's gonna be facing the rock at WrestleMania. Uh, whether or not that happens, thought it'd be good to go back and revisit Rocky Maivia. Uh, Flex Cabana uh, making his debut in Madison Square Garden. Uh, how good a decision that was? Well, <laughs> well, I'm not that sure. A mixed bag was how you described it to me, and I think you're pretty much, yeah, you're pretty much on the money. I think. Yeah, yeah, um, yes. Yeah, so some of this is good. Some of it's not so good. And yeah, you know, where where would be the fun in it if everyone was perfect? Of that. Thank God that's your uh, philosophy, because this podcast wouldn't have got very far <laughs> if it wasn't. It? So, like I say, we're in November 1996, so let's take a wee look at it. November 1996, we had Kobe Bryant making his NBA debut for the LA Lakers. Um, the Spice Girl released their debut album, Spice. Did you have it, Adam? I didn't, no. I, I don't believe that. No, I, I, um, I think I found them quite irritating. Right. Wow. Yeah. Well, Mature sorry. beyond your years. Yeah. I, I, I mean, what would that? Oh, God. I was about to turn 16. I probably should have been. Ah, you, you, know, prob- ah, yeah, but, ah, you probably yeah. were like perfect age for watching their videos on mute. <laughs> um, the English Patient premiered in cinemas. Wow. Went on to win Best Picture at 1997 Oscars. I have never seen it. I'm a puff. Have you? No, I've not, actually. Yeah. I, I, I kind of assumed one of us, well, well I knew I am. Um, but I, I, it's probably quite unusual for two people of our age to both be like, nah. And I'm, nah, I can seen. barely confidently say I'm never going to. Fair. Same. Yeah. I think I've went past the period in my life where I have an appreciation for like good films. And now I'm quite happy just to watch like horrors and shite films. I think yeah. I went through a, a bit of a phase where I was like, hmm, I need to watch some of these arty films. But now <laughs> nah, I'm good. <laughs> Um, I've got some births and some deaths for you. I wonder if you will know either of the births. Do you know who the Lord is? 
Uh, now, you know, I do know who Lord is, but the reason I know who Lord is is because they kind of made a big thing of Lord in South Park. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I do know who Lord is. Lord, Lord's not Elon Musk's partner, is she? Am I mixing her up with someone else? I don't know. It might, might be, actually. Um, I sincerely hope not if she was born in 1986, because hmm. that would be quite the age gap. What about Lil Peep? I'm not, not familiar with Lil Peep. A, a horrible feeling Lil Peep may be no longer with us, but he was born in 1986. Um, okay. In the death column, we've got, I've only got one, I've got Tiny Tim. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> you know, um, you know in Insidious, that, that song that plays over and over again, the tiptoe through the tulips? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's Tiny Tim that sung that song. Uh, okay. You look okay. like you could give a fuck. But I, I just when you said Tiny Tim, I thought, wait a minute. What from from the Charles Dickens? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's what threw me. I thought, no, no. Okay. <laughs> um, I've got some wrestling-related history from November '96, but I'll do the I'll do our UK our UK charts number one. Right. Uh, I, right. I, I I like. I was going to say, I uh, own this album, but, I mean, that means nothing to you. Probably. <sighs> 96, right. Euro 96 was on, but it had been and gone. Yep. I would have thought it'd be something quite good. In my mind, music was quite good then. Now, if you owned it, I'm assuming you liked it. Uh, um, right, I'll go... Um, Oh, number one. Uh, I didn't have a number one. Ah, oh, wait a minute. Ach, I don't know. Uh, common people. I'm sure you've guessed that before. For <laughs> and 1996. I'm, and I'm never sure. right. <laughs> um, I mean, you're in the right sort of. So it was uh, Breathe by the Prodigy. Ah, okay. See, I, I started thinking, well, you know, Oasis and Blur were everywhere at this point, but I think it mm. took a while for either of them to have a number one single, actually. What I tried did, to apply do, logic. What did we do last time? Something, SummerSlam 94, and that was definitely Maybe's debut. So right, okay. This, this must have been more, what's the story, Morning Glory? Yeah, would have been. Did. Um, and what about US? Different, right. different genre of music is is a good song though. Okay, okay. Yeah, uh, 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 it's, by. It's got it's, it's got a guest rapper on it. Right. Okay. I was gonna say summoned by Jay Z. And then I'm thinking, hmm. did you own this? Nah. Hmm. Nah. I give up. It's got a little um. Little Penny Hardaway, you know the ba- you know basketball fan really are you? Little Penny Hardaway wooden be. puppet okay. in the video. Okay. Nah, nothing, nothing for you. Yeah. It's um, No Diggy by Blackstreet. Oh, I remember that. I think okay. Dr. Dre's on on the start of that, isn't he? He is. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Let, let's see. Let's see how you fare with your movies. UK box office number one. <laughs> I'm so glad. I get to be the one that asks this question and you get to guess them. UK box office number one, 1996. I've never seen this in my life. Ah. 
Have a lot of people seen it? <laughs> if it was UK box office number one. I mean, maybe. <laughs> uh, uh, um, Titanic. Really? <laughs> uh, it's not Titanic. It's the First Wives Club. Oh. Uh, I don't uh, know anything about the I, First Wives. Have you seen it? I've, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. And what about America? I've definitely seen this. And so right. have you. <laughs> right. I don't know if you have, actually. <laughs> I have. This is, this is falling apart quickly. Um, it's, a, it, it's a kid's film. Uh, right, okay. Uh, to- Toy Story. No. <laughs> I, feel so, I feel so judged by the tone of that No. I feel like Toy Story is like 1993 or something. Um, no, no it's got Michael Jordan in it. Oh, the um, no, that can't be. Uh, it's, that's too late for Space Jam. Mm, well, not according it's, to my research. It's, it's not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I have seen it. Yeah. Okay. I feel questioned now. I'm not <laughs> going to look it up. Um, so yeah, Space Jam UK box office number one. Okay. Some good music for November 1996. Um, so, just rounding off, setting, setting the scene, the WWF Hall of Fame ceremony took place in November 1996, the night before Survivor Series pay-per-view. This was actually the last uh, Hall of Fame ceremony to take place until 2004. Okay. I, so, I, did, they, did they reference this in the show? Because, yeah, they did. Because I, I've got somewhere in a note something about, oh, they used to do the Hall of Fame before Survivor Series. Aye. Yeah. So I'll, I'll run you through a wee list of who was inducted by who. So I, I don't know a lot of these people. M- Mikhail Skakluna was inducted by Gorilla Monsoon. Okay. Um, he was a Maltese wrestler who was a tag team champion in the WWF. Okay. Um, Captain Lou Albano, or Louis Albano, as Vince kept referring to him, <laughs> uh, was inducted by New York media personality Joe Franklin. Okay. Uh, featuring on the card, Jimmy Snuka, Superfly Jimmy Snuka, was inducted by his parole of, uh, by Don mm-hmm. Muraco. Okay. Yeah. The That's original. No, you say Don Mor- Muraco. Don Morocco. Don Morocco, the original rock. Yeah. Mm. I used to get referred to as The Rock. Nice. Huh? Johnny Snods was inducted by... Indicted? Inducted by Arnold Scaland. I feel like that, that that guy you just said as the inductee was like the dad of both Nasty Boys or something like oh, that. Really? Just because of the name. He's not, but just because of the name. Oh, right, okay. What was it? Just... Johnny... Uh, Johnny Rods. Johnny Rods. I thought you said Johnny Snods. Oh. Okay. Killer Kowalski. Killer Kowalski uh, was inducted by Triple H. <laughs> uh, Pat, Pat, Pat Patterson was inducted by Bret Hart. Okay. Um, which was nice. Vincent J. McMahon was posthumously inducted by, <laughs> by Shane McMahon. I was going to say by his son. <laughs> by Shane McMahon. And rounding out the class of 1996, Jimmy and Johnny Valiant were inducted by the British Bulldog and Owen Hart. 
Okay. There you go. Interestingly, no, that's not interesting. Don Mor- Don Mor- Don. Can you say his name? Don Morocco wasn't in- inducted again in two thousand and four. Jake, they threw him out, and then he got maybe, back. Maybe, in. aye, that's a good point. Yeah. So there you go. It's clearly a much bigger deal made of it now, and they get on the pay per view and everything. Although yeah. Lou, Lou Albano did did sort of walk out during this pay per view, and that seemed to be it. We, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, apart from that, Jimmy Snooker. Yeah, right, true, true. Yeah. So there we go. Do you feel nineteen ninety six ish now? Not really. Prodigy uh, on in the background. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I was thoroughly enjoying myself in 96, just thinking back to being 15 and pretty much carefree. You'd probably worry about exams and that'd be about it and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, good good times. Good times, 1996. Let's take that worry-free attitude into this podcast, Adam. <laughs> and if you put S in front of the word podcast, then you've got my... No, nah, doesn't work. Damn it! Damn it. Right. We're kicking off. We've got a lot of Survivor Series elimination matchups. I think we've got three on the card. There was a dark match. It was a beauty. It was a free-for-all Survivor Series eight-man tag team match. It was Aldo Montoya, Bart Gunn, Bob Holly, and Jesse James. And they defeated Billy Gunn, Justin Bradshaw, Salvatore, Salvatore Sincere, and The Sultan. That it's a shame that we did not get to partake in that. But what we did get in our first match was the tag team champions, British Bulldog and Owen Hart, and the new rockers, Leaf <laughs> Cassidy, and an incredibly high, or what appeared to be an incredibly <laughs> off his rocker, no pun intended, Mario Gennetti, <laughs> against, help me out with this, Doug Furness. Yeah, Fer- Doug Furness, and is it Phil Lafon? Phil Lafon, very yeah, Furness and Lafon, French yeah. roots, and the Godwins. Yeah. What did you think of this opening, opening match? I remember fairly recently we talked about how we thought these kind of matches were pretty cool when we were mm-hmm. kids, and there were just mm-hmm. loads of people involved. And now we're old, and we just get really annoyed at how many people are involved in these matches and the makeup of the matches and. I remember taking it personally when uh, Vince McMahon, by the sounds of it, questioned just abolishing the whole Survivor Series and they started reducing the amount of four on four or five on five. I, I totally get why they did it now. <laughs> uh, like the, the, This whole match is to try and put over Furness and Lafon, who are, I, I mean, JR has to be their biggest fan in the world and we're kind of in this heel jr type yeah. situation what yeah it, it's uh, awful it doesn't uh, fit at all <laughs> i think we should talk further about jr's behavior throughout this whole pay-per-view at some point and it's, it's obviously like intentional and he's doing what he's supposed to be doing i don't know how many pay-per-views we've watched or, or that i've gone back and watched that had that three-man team on mm-hmm. commentary with mm-hmm. vince king and JR and uh, JR being a you've already got King who's your natural heel commentator but you've got I don't know maybe Vince thought JR was a bit boring and needed a bit of edge or something like that Mm -hmm. but yeah I 
there's there's a moment later on when I really everything clicked for me because he's being quite heelish. But it wasn't until I saw um, Diesel and Razor Ramon that everything actually uh-huh. clicked yeah, for me. Yeah. Yeah. He's but just yeah. he's he's just coming across pissed off quite a lot yeah. more more than heelish. It's just like that, like he's annoyed by everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what 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 did you think of Furnace and Lafon? Well, they they weren't really doing it for me. I, like, Good, I'm glad. I I I don't know if the fact that he was putting them over so much made me go the other way and just think, oh, piss off. JR that that these guys are they had no charisma they're clearly very good athletes but they had mm-hmm. no charisma about them um, and they're opposing or it felt like they were being positioned to be opposing Bulldog and Owen yeah. and the, the 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 thing that really made me happy right at the start of this match and I've got in my notes is this is Slammy Owen this is yes. Owen when he's won a Slammy and he's making it seem like the biggest most important thing in the world he's got it on his gear yeah Double Slammy winner I think he's got in his gear I love that Owen. That that Owen is basically every version of Owen's good, but this version, when he's been given this and he makes something of it, it's just awesome. He's um, so he's so far and away the biggest star in this match. Bulldogs yeah. Bulldog looks like a star as well, mm-hmm. um, but less convincingly. So I quite like heel Bulldog actually. Short hair, heel Bulldog with the yeah, yeah. No, there, there's something I, I think a bit cooler about that presentation than there was for the the sort of the long hair and the you know the the union jack stuff everywhere and mm-hmm. stuff like that this this felt a bit a bit edgier um, mm-hmm. yeah there, there's there's a moment early on i'm trying to think who it was jr says it about he calls someone a geek mm-hmm. who was that i I think it's maybe Marty Janetti. I think it's Marty Janetti, because Janetti's dancing about the ring, doing all sorts of weird stuff. <laughs> it seemed out of character for his, you know, like out of kayfabe character. It just seemed mm-hmm. like he was being an idiot. Because uh, of my geek, it's funny. I wonder if Janetti, I mean, touching on, I've got some in my notes about how Janetti looks just to the eye when, <laughs> when, when you see him. And I started wondering, is he maybe just not around after this match? Because that wouldn't surprise me. He clearly hurts himself during the match as well, and he's yeah. he's hopping about on one leg for a while. I, I've got my notes here. Thank God Janetti's out of this match. <laughs> we got him out quick. The, the the horrible one of the very early um, horrible things that happens is that furnace. I think Jr's talking up his drop kick, uh-huh. and he completely misses someone with a drop kick. It looks like he damn near broke his neck. Mm-hmm. And Horrendous. it's not—it's not the only moment a bit like that in this match from Furnace. I mean, I, I watched this and then kind of didn't want to ever see him again because he drops Owen on his head a bit later on as well. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, They've—they've they've got like um, they're, they're clearly going for some tag combinations throughout the match and stuff like that. And we've got Leaf <laughs> Cassidy, who is Al Snow. Yeah. Um, getting in and, and, and owning it and taking some names and all that. Um, it, they sort of referenced the fact during this that Brett has recently returned to WWF, and we'll talk about that when we get a bit further down mm-hmm. the line. But because we just dropped into this, I couldn't think where we were in terms of Brett, Owen, storyline and things like that. But they make it pretty clear that Brett and uh, Owen and Bulldog would not be happy with the fact Brett's back. So we know we're in heel 
Owen and, and Bulldog uh, mm-hmm. territory. Um, and the... Uh, I forgot. Oh, yeah. A, a figure for, for Brett, it's probably the next mania uh, but we'll, that, that he's going to turn. But we'll, we'll get to that as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Jeanette eliminated quite early by one of the good wins after a kind of... What I've written is a fall-away slam neck-breaker thing um, as the move to, to eliminate Janetti. And then Owen incredibly quickly is in uh, and pins Henry Godwin for him to go out at three each, uh, to leave it three all. And I was hoping right when the first pin went, it was one of them where both partners had to go when just I just <laughs> wanted the match to end as quickly as possible. But sadly, Ooh. it wasn't. It's probably too small a match for, for that to happen. Um, it's it's individual eliminations that are on the go here. Uh, can I just point something out about the Godwins? Oh, two things actually. Who started the match for the f- supposed face team? Was it Phineas? I think so. He spits up in the air and catches it, and then uses it to gel his hair. Do you say that in like a disgusted or an impressed uh-huh. way? No, no, in, in, <laughs> in an absolutely disgusted way. Also, the Godwins are Phineas, I Godwin, and yeah, and what's the other one? Uh, Henry, Henry something Ogle? beginning with H, yeah. Henry, pig, pig yeah. and hog. Pig and hog. That's just so Vince. Yeah, it's so bad. We must be getting right towards the end of that kind of thing being on the go, mm-hmm. but it's still there here just now. Pig yeah. and hog. Goodness. Terrible. So, so Owen hits a, a flying, sort of, what would you call that? A, a heel kick? Spinning heel yeah, kick? Yeah, spinning heel kick. On Phineas, I think, and he's gone. Yeah. I always like I, I do quite like in these matches how a body slam can put somebody out sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always makes me chuckle. Um I stopped taking notes <laughs> after Phineas Godwin got put out, so I apologize. Um, uh, what have I got in my notes? Uh Bulldog and Owen. It seems like they totally own the match for a while. They're they're just in doing their stuff. Um you've got some nice moves, bridge suplex by Owen. Uh, Bulldog starts showboating quite quite extravagantly at, at various <laughs> points in the match. Um, and then you get a suplex from the top by Lafon on Leaf Cassidy that flips him onto his front as they land. Uh, it, was, it was quite an impressive looking move, uh, but that eliminates uh, Leaf Cassidy. Um, so his gimmick was supposed to be that he was like into seventies stuff, apparently Leaf Cassidy. Okay. How, how does that fit with Marty Jannetty? And it just—it's just all snow. <laughs> That's all you can see. I know that sounds like a silly thing to say, but he's—he's he's even got that sort of puzzled look on his face, yeah. <laughs> like a, like how snow has. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we've got uh, Insegiri by Owen for uh, two nice moves by Owen and Bulldog, but out of nowhere, Lafon rules up Bulldog for a pin to eliminate him. And that leaves it uh, Owen against Furnace and Lafon. Yeah, and I was, this, uh, this is where I was feeling disgusted that they booked it <laughs> two faces versus one heel. Yeah, doesn't really make any sense. Um, <laughs> oh, you've got Owen dominating, putting the sharpshooter on Lafon, and he's, he, you know, he does look like he's in control for a bit when uh, when it's a two on one, but the numbers game catches up with him. Um, Lafon gets tagged into Furnace. Furnace, my notes, 
furnace with a German suplex that looks horrible. Owen lands on his head, then yeah. uh, furnace and Lafon with the pin to be the two survivors. Two guys that look and feel like jobbers are the survivors, furnace and Lafon. And that suplex is a neck breaker waiting to happen. But JR loves these guys. Mm. I'm sure one of them went to college in Oklahoma. I'm sure JR mentions that at some point. So that's yeah. where that comes from. And they make a big thing of them being big in Japan and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think they're around very long. You, you imagine Vince maybe sitting there going, hmm, maybe we made a mistake here. Yeah. <laughs> like really phony gimmicks like the Executioner later on. And then you've got these two guys that they're sort of putting over like uh, shoot fighter type gimmicks. It's all quite... It's, a bit, it's all over the place. Kind uh, of. It's a yeah. bit. So we're down in the, I want to say the boiler room with our boy Kevin Kelly. He's with Paul Bearer and Mankind. And Paul Bearer just drops his absolute fire catchphrase. He says he's not going to go... He's not an animal. He won't be going in a cage. Oh, what's the, what's the catchphrase? Because I'm Paul Bearer and you're not. Yes. That's it. Amazing. Yep. And then we've got, like, full-on deranged Mankind promo where he's... Mm-hmm. Whispering I, these kind of high pitched voice. They sort of put across that mankind has had wins against Undertaker and mm-hmm. there aren't that many there aren't that many people full stop that have had wins against Undertaker. He's very much positioned as someone that can go in and beat him because he has. Um mm-hmm. which is a probably a really brave way to go with the, the mankind characters, just position him against, you know, one of the biggest stars fairly quickly. And I know he had great matches against uh, some other top guys as they were going through, but it's kind of always think of the Undertaker and Mankind series when I'm thinking Mankind. He, he had top class matches with Michaels and Triple H and a few others as well, but you always just think of Taker with Mankind. Mm. So, so at this point, uh, you'll you'll maybe need to correct me here. I think they've been they've had a match, a buried alive match. Yes. And Undertaker's been gone for some time since. Yes. Yeah. Um, so this was his big return to pay per view, yep. I think. Yeah. Um, and what better way than to bring someone back who was previously wearing purple, than to dress them like a giant bat and lure them from the top of the arena, <laughs> fully leathered up. This was fucking terrifying. <laughs> I, I got my. I, he looked like the. He reminded me of the. You know, in um, near the start of Jeepers Creepers, where they come across the, yeah. the, the monster and his his wing flies open. Yes, it reminded me of that. It was oh, give me the heebie-jeebies. Nice, horrible. I, I never never thought of that, but yeah. yeah. What were they thinking with that? <laughs> Bat taker. Ah. Uh... And they have the, he has the teardrop tattoo as well, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Always found that quite odd as well. What's that supposed to symbolise? That he's died and come back? Uh, does that not symbolise that you've killed a guy? No, I think so. Going by both you, you and I's um, deep knowledge of gang culture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, a, it's during the entrances of this match that I first noticed um, Big Vlad, the super fan in the front row. Okay. With his massive big smile. Um, are you are you aware of Vlad so generally? You, you sent me a message the other day and I was like, what is Vlad? So I, I, I looked it up and then I saw this Vlad the Superman super fan thing 
and then I thought, oh yeah, he's he's been seen on loads of shows. He's he's mm-hmm. at loads of things. And then I read that there was supposed to have been a documentary being released about yeah, but by, it, by it WWE. Happened. Yeah, but I don't think it's ever actually been released. Right. I think it was all made and then not released, which is a shame because it'd probably be quite interesting. That's quite cool. It's just this guy that seems to have been at every single paper you've watched in the nineties. Mm-hmm. I think he's just, um even the first one night stand. I think you can see him in the you know right. ECW one night stand. What's that? Two thousand and five or something. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, him and Sid clearly have quite a a good relationship because he's he's getting the aggressive fist pumps later on. Yeah. Um, I, I, so so JR with this match is talking up how Undertaker's going to come back and we're going to see a different Undertaker and he is going to be um, so I think he I think he was suggesting he was going to be like sort of street fighty brutal and the first thing he does is go for a drop toe hold, <laughs> but it's just quite funny and and yeah. after that he's using a lot of sort of map based wrestling type moves i don't mm-hmm. I, I don't remember watching this show i don't remember ever seeing undertaker wrestle like this no like i i remember um I, I was probably not watching in this era i think i was i was on my time away from watching it uh when it was on at this period of time but i remember seeing uh, like an undertaker against kurt angle match on uh smackdown or something years later and it was before he'd had like the matches with Triple H and the matches with uh, Shawn Michaels as he came towards the end of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing him doing all these wrestling moves with Kurt Angle in the ring and thinking, even then, you know, way later in his career, thinking, that's weird. And it almost seems like it was quite sudden the last few years of his career he, he started doing these these type of things. Strange. I mean, like, these guys must be trained and they'll they will know all this. It's mm-hmm. um, it's a bit like when you see Austin later on, and he's like a wrestling machine. He's like Chris Benoit yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's quite funny. It's like a shock to the system sort of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I gotta be honest. I didn't I didn't like this match at all. Nah. I was disappointed by it. Yeah, having seen good ones between them, and you know, there's usually a well a fair bit of drama with whatever it is that's going on, and a hell of a lot of punishment. I think the Paul Bearer situation took me out of it a bit. Uh, okay. and just the fact that they were having him in a shark cage above the ring, I was like, "All right, why?" Um, I just it made me care less the fact that that was happening. And then the whole time, I kept expecting some kind of shenanigan because the whole time he was like, "I'm not going in, I'm not going in." Uh-huh. Even as they're walking down the ring, he's like, "I'm not going in there." And then boom, the match is starting. He's up there. He's he's in. Uh, and that was it. You yeah. heard the odd noise every now and again from him. Where, where were they? Where were they going things. with this? <laughs> mm. Weird. So yeah. I assume the whole thing is that he'd been, he'd been a sort of thorn in the side of the Undertaker yeah. along with mankind. Uh, I um, assume. So. I think I just expect when they do something like that, that something will come of it. Like, mm-hmm. especially Undertaker with the whole supernatural stuff and all that. Yeah, yeah. Lower the cage. Oh, uh, yeah. <sighs> so I, I'm cutting to the end here really quickly. So jump in if there's anything you want to talk about. But what was the story with the knife? Why did I, why did mankind have a Stanley knife? <laughs> and why did the referee just let him attack him with it? It reminded me of that time New Jack just took a knife and started going to a guy. Yeah. So I mean the 
they, they sort of play the match as the threat of the mandible claw. That's kind of the story they go for through the match. Yeah, yeah. Undertaker's try to take out the arm and the hand and stuff like that so that he can't uh, apply the mandible claw. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's for them, it's a pretty under match but uh, I've got a few bits uh, Mankind jumped off the turnbuckle Taker catches him by the throat but Mankind's able to apply the mandible claw Taker looks to be fading eventually pulls his hand out the mouth hits the choke slam uh, Mankind Mankind a couple of times goes for these like I don't know cannonball dives um, off the apron and mm-hmm. god that, that lad took a hell of a lot of punishment through his career uh, and uh, what else have I got? Uh, there's some sleeper holds, some light rest holds on the go. Um, did they ever actually say that it's a knife he's got in his hand? I'm not sure. No, no, that was my assumption. Yeah, because uh, there's just a point where you see them them both get back to their feet um, after Mankind's had a sleeper on Taker, but Taker side suplexes him from that position, so they're both down for a bit. But as they both get back to their feet, Mankind's got something in his hand, strikes Taker with it, um, and then just continues to use it. Um, he's like climbed on Taker's back in the corner as he's, he's uh, attacking him. Taker um, uses that situation to pull Mankind's head forward, forward. Yep. get him in the tombstone position and hit the tombstone. Um and yeah, that that's kind of it. There, there's no big, um, yeah, they, they look like a knife. There's no big payoff from it in the end. He tried to use it. He doesn't get the win with it. Um, and then I never knew if it was, I don't think, know if they were clear if it would be a stipulation that if Undertaker won that he would be able to get his hands on Paul Bearer. But the tank's being lowered. I suppose he's he's the person that's there standing. So he's going to get his hands on, on Paul Bearer in theory. But then, well... <laughs> A guy from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, comes running it. Yeah, who, who, who the hell was this guy? No idea. I have no recollection of the executioner at all. They go on to have a, a match at the next in your house. Poor Undertaker. Right, okay. Like, when you really look at his streak, he's fought a lot of, you know, like, not well thought of opponents, certainly in the early times. They've had him do some... Oh, Some strange stuff. Nathan Do you know Jones. who it is? Did you look up who it is? No, no. It's Terry Gordy. Oh, that's right. I knew yeah. that. So it is. Yeah. Here's a great way to, to capitalise on Terry Gordy. Let's put a mask <laughs> on him. Yeah. I don't think he stuck around very long. Um, yeah, probably one in, well, one match and done, probably. He may, he may have been quite far on in his career. I think point, he must but, have been, yeah. yeah. Oh well, that was that. Uh, it's um, a shame because I was quite enthusiastic for when I saw they were up against each other on the card. I thought this might be decent, and really quickly thought to myself, "It's it's just not going to be. It's it's not going in about it really." It felt like filler, didn't it? Yeah. Um, so we go backstage with Doc Hendricks, and I don't, I don't know why this has only just occurred to me, but I I wonder why he's not called Michael Hayes. Why do you think he's called Doc Hendricks? Just to just the whole Vince WWF <sighs> trademark and I've definitely and heard Bruce Pritchard talking about this before on his podcast, and he was talking about the fact that he, you know, he's always been known as a great talker, and apparently a few of the 
the guys like Pritchard and JR used to try and talk Vince into bringing him in and giving him a role and, you know, interviews. Or I think for a while he did uh, commentary on one of the, the B shows and things like that. But I think Vince just thought that everything about him or everything about the Freebirds was pretty dated and right. they needed he needed a, a fresh paint of coat. Um, it's quite ironic. I think, well, yeah. Like, I suppose for an older school people, you want it to be referenced as him. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Just wonder if it's too NWA for him. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, and then in his own ways, though, he's, he's totally stuck in his ways. It's, it's strange. Mm. Strange, Vince. Strange character. Well, indeed. So we've got Doc Hendricks. He is with Team Hunter Hurst Helmsley. Quite a unique mix of characters. Um, we've got Triple H, who appears to be the Intercontinental Champion at this point. Uh, Jerry King Lawler who was on commentary and has now joined this team. Uh, Crush, who has had quite the makeover from the, you know, the, the sort of kid-friendly Hawaiian um, bright-coloured man that, that he was. Yeah. Um, and Goldust. And they all cut various versions of promos, which essentially mean absolutely nothing, and it's just like sound bites. Especially gold dust. Yeah, I didn't know if they were aiming at, at some sort of an angle here because I, I assume at this point in time is when Triple H was coming out with a different valley every time that he came to ringside. And there's a point where he's kind of eyeing up Marlena uh, as they're doing the segment and he's getting uh, a bit of a look back and ah, things nice. like that. And yeah. I thought, I wonder if they're they're just planting a seed there for, for what's about to happen. Um, and yes, I, it sounded I like I think it's Triple H Gold Dust at the next pay per view. I think you're buying right. one. Uh, and it sounded like Mark Henry was supposed to be involved in this. Uh, I so think Ma- they referenced Mark Henry that. was supposed to be on the other team, on Team Mero. Yeah, um, and I, I was trying to get my head around the fact that that's this era, but it would be. Um, it seems to me quite early for him coming in, but I don't think he's in the nation immediately when he gets there. I think he gets brought in later down right. the line. So yeah. Wow, that's amazing to me. I, I don't think I've I, remember, I don't have any sort of idea what he looks like prior to Nation. Mm-hmm. I thought yeah. Nation was his first mm-hmm. um, introduction. So they are going to be so that team team Triple H is going to be taking on Team Mero, which is Mark Mero, uh, the well Rocky Maivia making his WWF debut. Uh, we've got the Stalker Barry Windham. Barry Windham, yeah. Yeah. Um, and a mystery, a mystery partner, which appears to be Jake Snake Roberts, although I'm not entirely sure. I mean, you could easily convince me, along with fake Razor and fake Diesel, that this was indeed <laughs> fake Jake as well. He is not in shape. And they say he's 41. Yeah, that's pretty messed up. I mean, that's between... Finn Balor's 41. It's between our ages and... I know we're not necessarily holding up perfectly, but you know it's it's better than Jake Luke. I mean, I couldn't hit a DDT and knock a guy out. Could you? Well, well, nah, nah. Can you like whirl your arm around your head like that? I could do. I'd probably do some damage to my shoulder if I gave I that a go. Maybe just pulled some. <laughs> 
So Barry Windham, the stalker, uh, <sighs> looks like two things. One, like somebody's pumped up Spike Dudley with a football pump. And two, like the sort of nonsensical creator wrestler that my son would make on WWE 2K. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. The big tash, the camo trousers, just the generic <laughs> WWF t shirt. Yeah. What a poor guy. I know I know he's he's probably by this point pretty pretty far past his, his prime, but I another case of it seems like a bit of a waste. You bring in this guy who's, you know, a big name, very well respected and turn him a, a, a baby face called the stalker. Is that is that what's going on here? Yep. His music's like insane as well. It's like really horrible, creepy sort of music. It's so bizarre. Oh, um, because King's involved in the match, Sonny comes out to uh, join the commentary team. Yes. Vince does a little bit of dancing. And JR berates him for that. <laughs> Just starts tearing into him for it. And there's quite a bit of heat, but not that kind of heat. Between uh, Jr. and Sunny, they're, so, they're so not you, on good terms. You say he? I've got sexual chemistry. Oh, okay. Maybe it was that kind of heat then. Yeah. Sunny's good with the one-liners, with the zingers. There's a lot of them. I didn't know if she was just trying to take on the king role, so that's what she was doing. Mm. She mentioned something about Jake Roberts not being able to. <laughs> they could never be a lawyer because they couldn't pass the bar or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. one. Uh, I that think I wrote good. that one down somewhere. <laughs> she was, I was, I, I quite enjoyed her on commentary. I thought she was quite good. She was quite funny. I couldn't tell. I suppose the thing I was struggling with dynamic-wise, and I was struggling with it when King was there as well, is if JR's the heel, <laughs> is King supposed to be babyface? And then is Sonny coming in supposed to be babyface? I, I couldn't. Sonny's going to get a good reaction regardless, but I couldn't. It was an odd dynamic. Very strange. I think Sonny might be with Triple H as far as kayfabe. Right, the okay. They were talking him, her, and Mister Perfect as a right. sort of little. Okay. Oh no, because Perfect must have jumped at this point. Maybe they they kind of bury Perfect a little bit. Right. Um, and that that's probably why actually mm. that would make sense. Yeah. Can we just talk about Mark Merrill before we oh, get yeah. into this match? I don't remember him looking so, um, you know, what was his WCW character called? Jo oh, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny B. Bad. Johnny B. Bad. Yeah. Which was like a little Richard type yeah. character. I don't remember him looking so little Richard-ish in the WWF. Yeah. Is he Is he quite new in here? Or is he must he... be. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, because, you know, there was always a story about that. It was that character Vince was signing him for, but he couldn't portray that character because it was mm. property of WCW. Um, so he didn't really know what to do with him, but he certainly looks, I think, as similar to that look as he ever did in, in WWE. Aye, that's quite odd. The, the wild man character just seems to be, that's what they're going for, is that Johnny, mm -hmm. B, Johnny B. Bad character. Yeah. And I think Sable actually debuted before Mero, didn't he? She was um, Triple H's yeah, that's right. valley. Yeah. And that's what the whole heat is between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Obviously, we've got The Rock here making his debut. Mm -hmm. uh, 
was it was it, I mean, it wasn't in the match that much. No, um, it's funny because looking back, knowing what he became and the star that he became, he's he's almost yeah, he's your debut guy. And Jr. talks him up. Jr.'s doing his best to talk him up with his. This is where he says that's that's going to be the man right there. This is a blue chipper. This guy, blue chipper. Um, that's I use that phrase a lot. And Sunny's agreeing actually. Uh, mm-hmm. She's she's very she's talking up the the rock, um, but yeah, he's he's got a few moves and all that. He's seems to be incredibly enthusiastic, like a an overexcited dog when a new person comes into the house. Brilliant. He's, he's, that that's what he reminded me of. Um, you you would not have watched this and actually thought. It's going to be like the biggest star in the world, but mm. you know he's the he's he's athletic. He's definitely athletic. Um, but yeah, I don't. I didn't feel like the the charisma was quite coming out yet. I didn't think his his personality was really there yet at this stage. And the thing, you know, they they went from Rocky, Rocky, Rocky to Rocky sucks die, Rocky die, and it's probably the best thing that ever happened to him because it oh, yeah. allowed him to 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 transition into. Nation of Domination and all mm-hmm. that. So, yeah, um, yeah. I don't really know where to go with this, to be honest. I, I've just taken a lot of silly notes, like why is Harvey Whippleman a second referee? He's taken some amount of abuse from Jr. <laughs> like almost from the very first match, Jr.'s on top of him. Yeah, I don't remember Harvey Whippleman being a ref. Do you? Nah, I don't. No. Um. I was disappointed to see Triple H get eliminated. I, I knew The Rock won the match. Yeah. It seems like weird booking to have the Intercontinental Champion in the match, have The Rock win the match, but not have him win over Triple H. Yeah, you would think that would be able to set something up down the line. Um, I, I, I assume they still had uh, some places to go with the Triple H, Mark Merrow. Um, intercontinental mm-hmm. title situation because it's referenced quite a lot as they're going through. Um, Rocky takes quite a bit of punishment, but I did uh, sort of note with some enthusiasm the first Triple H and The Rock exchange mm, in the ring. Amazing. And just thinking, well, how often is that then going to play out on far, far bigger stages? Um, and yeah, you've got... Uh, Rock, uh, he did quite a lot of selling actually, I suppose that's, you're a brand new guy you've got to do a, a fair bit of that and having been watching Young Rock um, I know that that was one of the, the big things he was taught is that he had to, to master the selling um, and uh, the whole the whole team it felt like, the whole other team took a turn basically dominating the Rock uh, mm. over a period of time so he takes a lot of punishment in the match um, I felt like um I'd never really noticed how good gold dust could um, sell before. Right. And that's quite an odd thing. But he seemed to be throwing himself all over the place for Mark Merrow. Um, yeah. Which I, I thought was quite odd. Mm-hmm. They, they went on to have a rivalry, didn't they? Merrow they and did, Goldust but they were kind of together and falling yeah, out. And... I think it started as them opposing and then when Mero turned on Sable... Um, he kind of aligned himself with Gold Dust, and I think was it like Luna at the time, yeah, um, yeah. and they were a heel team for a while, and then that I think they ended up facing against each other again after that. Uh, I've got a few things in notes. Go for I've it. Got, um, 
Jake with a short clothesline on Triple H and calling for the DDT, uh, but Triple H managing to, to escape. Um, heel team dominating Jake in the corner. Lawler coming in and mocking uh, Jake, going for a power slam, but Jake escapes out the back, and then boom, Jake hits Lawler with the DDT. That being <laughs> the first uh, elimination of the match. Um, Gold Dust with uh, Sleeper, Jake managing to get the tag to the Stalker. The Stalker, it feels so wrong to say. The Stalker's dominating, but Gold, Gold is dominating Gold Dust, but Crush gets him from behind. Gold Dust hits the curtain call on the Stalker uh, to eliminate him and make it three each. It, it gets eliminated pretty soon, just after JR said about him wearing his lucky boots, and Sable has a right yeah. good laugh at that. <laughs> um, what else have we got? It felt like they were trying to make a big thing of Mero and Triple H uh, mm-hmm. being in at the same time. Triple H playing the heel seemed like he was trying to avoid being in there with a fresh Mero, uh, yeah. but he's happy to go in when, when Mero's struggling a little bit. Um, heel team dominate for a while. Um, Mero thinks he has a, a roll-up. Triple H eventually kind of manages to just about tag Gold Dust. I wasn't sure he actually made contact, but <laughs> uh, Gold Dust is able to blindside Mero. Uh, Mero with a head scissors on Triple H. Uh, Moonsault or a Merosault? Merosault, yeah. It. Thanks, Jira. Um with, with an assist by Jake uh, to eliminate Triple H and take a 3-2 lead. Um, Mero taken to the outside where the heel team go on full attack and then Mero gets eliminated. And it's kind of, I suppose, in ring, it felt like a little bit of a whimper that he got mm-hmm. eliminated with, but I suppose they did have him just, like, attacked by, by multiple people on the, the outside. Uh, oh, what, what do you make of the heart punch as a move, uh, who 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 uses that crush? Crush. Uh huh. I mean, it looks like something that would try to put punch in the heart, doesn't it? What's he got in his forehead? I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't. I don't have strong <laughs> well, feelings about the heart punch. Do you? I don't like it. <laughs> Just like it's a shit move. <laughs> <laughs> like but a tomahawk he... chop. He, he, yeah, he eliminates Jake with the, the heart punch. Um, which... Well, to be fair, if it's going to be <laughs> successful on anybody. Wow. All right, Sonny. Sorry. Um, Sorry, so what we're left with is uh, Crush and Gold Dust against Rocky Maivia. You've got Rocky holding his own, scoop slam on Crush, but eventually the, the two-on-one advantage is starting to take its toll. Uh, and we get a, a spot where Gold Dust is holding the rock as Crush goes for the heart punch. Uh, rock knows how devastating that move is, so he manages to squirm out of the way. Crush hits Gold Dust with the heart punch. Uh, jumping crossbody by Rock on Crush to get the pin. Beautiful. So now we're we're down to one on one, Rock and Gold Dust. Uh, shoulder breaker by Rock on Gold Dust for the win. That that I don't know if it was being positioned as kind of his finishing move or if it was just a Survivor Series elimination move. Yeah, Jr. Um, calls it before he before he does it. So maybe they were thinking, oh, okay. this, this is the move, shoulder breaker. 
uh, he, he got an all right reaction, I think, mm-hmm. at this point from the crowd. Um, it's obviously they're they're putting him over. He survives against the odds, uh, having been two two to one down. Um, I thought as as a career starter on pay per view, that's probably quite a nice little starter pretty, for him. Pretty massive, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we go to probably the 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 best non wrestling thing on the on the pay per view. Steve Austin in black and white, just tearing into Bret Hart. Yeah. He has a go at him about his pink trousers. He talks about him being beat by a sissy boy in Shawn Michaels. He talks about him running away because I don't think Bret's been seen since WrestleMania 12 when he lost yeah. the Iron Man match. Yeah. Um, this is his first return. I want to say he's away doing things like that television show that we could never remember. Yeah. The Simpsons, uh, various things. Um, this is amazing promo. Like, yeah. I feel like this is lightning in a bottle style promo. What did you think? What did you think of it? Yeah, I really liked it. Like, there's, we've seen so many Austin promos over the years where he's already the guy, you know. So it almost doesn't matter what he says because the crowd are going to pop for it and all uh-huh. that. Yeah, he's not quite there yet. Here, he's on the trajectory. He's going to get there. He's had the big King of the Ring moment, um, and I think I originally thought in my mind he almost becomes like massively over at that stage, but it's still building. It was just one of the blocks in, in building it. So it almost felt to me like I think I enjoyed it more than the promos when he was right on top. Um, It just felt like there was more there. And I think these two opposing each other. I love the idea that he's calling out the top guy who isn't there. He's Mm -hmm. not given a response for quite a long time. I love the fact that in Bret Hart's responses, when he is coming back, He's not belittling anything about Austin. He is talking about going in and facing what he considers to be the best wrestler. Best wrestler. Yeah. Which just gives it this this feeling of importance. Um, yeah, how, really, how really think, enjoyed the How do you think the champion Shawn Michaels feel about him describing Austin as the best wrestler in the company? Probably not too pleased, but he has his own things to worry about later on, so that's fine. Mm. I, I like that the whole dynamic as well I got the same feeling um, as we talked about when we were watching through 98 and The Rock was early Nation of Domination mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and we were both saying it's almost more uh, it's more exciting and more enjoyable watching it before they properly blow mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think this is the best version of Austin I've ever seen mm-hmm. he, this is you know like the whole don't trust anyone, he doesn't care what people think, he's just himself sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think I probably came into Austin as he was already over. Right, yeah. But at, at this point, he's, he's, I would say he's in between heel and face. Uh-huh. Clearly, clearly people like it and, and are uh, reacting to it. He's getting mm-hmm. booed sometimes, he's getting really cheered sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But it, he clearly does not care. I think he even says you can bring your little 316 signs. I, I don't care. Yeah, he does. And I don't know if that makes it, maybe it makes it easier because you don't have to, 
I mean, he was so over for a while, it did literally feel like they would pop for anything he said. But I suppose there's, you can just say or come up with exactly what you're thinking or what you think is right in the moment without worrying about, am I going to keep the crowd support here? You know, I, it didn't seem to be a factor here. Just say mm-hmm. whatever you thought. Just say whatever right. crossed your mind. Um, yeah, I, I, I get I think sometimes in following them, and it's one of those where it kind of makes me wish I was watching actively at the time this was going on but the the journey's more fun than actually once they get there the the, the um, journey to it's more fun I, I, don't, I don't know how do you rate this match versus mania 13 because mania 13 is pretty much all people talk about when you talk about austin Bray. yeah i think for me um there's ways in which this is a better match i think the finish for mania 13 is better I think it does everything it needs to do. But in terms of the actual body of the match, I think I might prefer this. Uh, me too. Oh, Mania 13, there's a lot of shenanigans. You've got Shamrock involved. Mm-hmm. They're, they they fight in the crowd for a really long time yep. um, in that match. And you've obviously got the submission aspect to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. This is a technical... I've, I've got here, this is a clinic um, mm-hmm. that's on the go here. Uh, uh, what else can you say? We talked about Owen Brett mm-hmm. uh, last time in the cage at SummerSlam 94. And before that, we talked about him at WrestleMania 10, and, and it felt quite similar to me yep. here. We had Austin essentially scraping the bottom of the barrel to find any move he could use uh-huh. to beat to beat Bret Hart at his own game. Yep. Um, we see him put on the Texas Clover, Cloverleaf. He tries a bow and arrow type mm-hmm. submission um, at one point because Brett kicks out of the stunner later on and he then starts pulling out these moves. Yeah, And it just felt like I'm going to do everything in my arsenal possible to beat this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it gave it as well the feeling you can understand, I think, the situation. Austin wants to be the top dog. This is a number one contender match. Mm-hmm. He wants to be fighting for the title next um brett is the made guy he's already there he's already been there he's already won the titles but there's almost like a desperation from austin like anything i have to do i am willing to do it to get to where i need to be which is relatable you can understand it it makes sense as a story um and this guy just trying to keep ahead of the pack and ahead of this this I suppose up and comer in terms of you know a, a high profile singles wrestler um, who wants his spot and wants to get there and wants to be better than him and it's such a a simple thing in in so many ways but mm. yeah that I think one of the things that makes me a little bit like wonder what could have been is watching Austin matches like this because by the time he's actually on top he's had his neck break. Um, his style's changed. He, you know, he, he'll see himself. He became a brawler. That's the mm-hmm. the, the the way they went with it to to protect him. Um, but the, some of the matches he could have had, and then you think about who ends up joining the company. You know, things like that. The, your Kurt Angles, your Benoit's folk like that. Um, it's it almost makes me a bit sad about thinking mm. about the matches he he could have had just watching him do this with with Brett. Yeah, hundred percent. Even. Things that he used to, that he, he did as part of his repertoire, like the the elbow off the second rope, was just yeah 
a lot more athletic. He's mm-hmm. sort of flying through the air almost. Yeah. Um, and obviously he came in as a ringmaster. He obviously had that. And I, I do remember enjoying stunning Steve Austin in WCW mm-hmm. as a youngster. Um, so he yeah. obviously had something. He's, he's always had charisma, I think. Yeah. But he's obviously always had something in the ring as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did like him going to the Million Dollar Dream as well yeah. at the end. Again, it harks back to previous character, but it also plays into the whole storyline of like him clawing and I, I need to beat him. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one moment where I winced a little bit because Brett hits a massive pile driver on Austin. <laughs> and just knowing what, what ends up happening with Austin, I was a bit like... Uh, um, obviously totally safely executed on that occasion, but I, I, I think I just hate watching pile drivers. Uh, I'm not, mm. not a fan. Uh, yeah, mankind hit one on Undertaker earlier on as well, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking, oof. Yeah, he, he jumped into that one as well, I'm sure. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I, I really liked, touched on it earlier after the um, the stunner, and I think he got so used to people not kicking out of stunners because that it didn't happen when he when he was on top. But I'm fine with Brett kicking out of it here. Uh, I think yeah. it, it plays into the, the match they're having. Um, but the the sort of anger and frustration that Austin feels at that is brilliant. It's just brilliantly sold as, as part of the story that that's my move and it hasn't beat him. And no. what do I do? And you talk about some of the moveset he starts going for. And it just it just works so well as a story. Um, it's brilliant, and he he goes, he almost goes immediately straight back and pins him again, as if to say, like that never happened. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. This will this will do it, and he kicks it again. Mm-hmm. I yeah. really like that. I, I suppose. How how do you feel about? I, I didn't love the finish, but I think it's just because of what we've watched probably <laughs> recently. Yeah, um, because I feel like we've seen this finish a couple of times recently. I, c- I can't think off the top of my head. I can remember saying to you they went for the, the Piper Brett finish. Yeah, I remember when we watched him win King of the Ring, they definitely did it. He, he had a yep. finish like that. Um, and I th- it happened in another match we watched as well, but I can't remember what one. But I did like end up thinking, right, are we just watching matches where he does that? Or did he do this all the time? <laughs> But, uh, it's probably quite coincidental, and yeah. and we've spoke before about liking when a match ends like that. It doesn't necessarily have to be finisher or or whatever. Uh-huh. It comes out of the blue. Um, I was just like, oh, that one again. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, as I say, finish. I think the part of the reason, you know, the the WrestleMania match with the uh, submission and the or the non-submission in the sharpshooter, that's telling a story as the finish which is basically switching their roles but here you're not killing austin with that finish um it seems and it feels and the commentators play it as well as there was very little in that either man could have won that match and you've still got somewhere to go you can Mm -hmm. go back to that program that's not going to cause you any issues uh, because it didn't feel definitive uh as a as a win do you know what i found interesting I don't think they were supposed to face each other at Mania 13. I don't think that that was the plan. No, um, I can't. I, nah. That was Sean, be... Sean Brett, too, aye, was going to be the plan. Yeah. Um... And and yet, JR here talks up. He, he keeps talking about how he'd like to see a submission match between these two. Yeah. 
quite early on as well. I thought it was quite mm-hmm. bizarre. Yeah, I, yeah, it, it made me wonder if you know Vince is sitting there next to him and uh, point the harks back to that and thinks, yeah, mm. okay, let's okay. just do that. Yeah, right. bye. A great match. I think that they must go a hell of a time. Yeah, I, I, I don't have it written down, but it's one of those. And we talk. I feel like we talk a lot about good Brett matches in particular. They never feel like they've lasted as long as it actually says they have, because it, it no. just all works and flows by, flies by. Twenty-eight minutes. That okay. Went. Mr. Meltzer gave it four and a half, four and a half stars, which okay. is pretty much. I, I would agree with that. I felt a lot of matches on this card dragged quite a lot. Yeah. But this was absolutely not one of them at all. I'm the... taking more of this. Like, yeah, it'd be the longest match, but it felt like the quickest. Aye. Yeah. Um, and what do you think about them them giving Brett the win given Austin seems to be on a, a pretty fast trajectory here I, I get it but I wonder if you had given Austin the first win you could have played on the Brett's been out of the ring a while you know let's have another match mm-hmm. uh, I think you could have you could have gone a bit further with it but um, I don't know whether they we'll talk about it when we get to Sean said but maybe the they, they just wanted to get the belt back on Brett once he was back. Um, yeah. And, uh, okay, so 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 talking to Sean said we go to the back with Doc Hendricks again. And we get said he's obviously just come from his uh, softball game. He's still got his hat on. <laughs> um, and what I've got here is that he barely says anything but the way that he says it is unbelievably effective. He's, he's so intense. Brilliant, eh? I, I really, I think I've gained uh, more of an appreciation of Sid, like looking back. Mm. I think because uh, he, he seemed, like when I was wee, like, you know, properly young watching stuff, I think he was quite intimidating. Uh, mm-hmm. And then as I got a bit older, I kind of just thought, oh, he's just a big guy. He's just one of these big guys that couldn't move very well. But, He's got something. He's got something about him. Oh, definitely. Remember when we watched, what was it? Um, Great American Bash 89, and he was in the skyscrapers. Yeah, yeah. With Dan Spivey. And even back then, I think we both were like, oh, how class was Sid yeah, yeah. there? I think I feel the exact same looking back. Especially mm-hmm. this. This I, I've never been like a a, a big psycho says Sid Justice, Sid Vicious fan, but I like came away for this like, oh my god, I'm so <laughs> happy. I was so happy for him. Anyway, oh, we'll get to it. <laughs> so so we get Lou Albano or Louis Albano come out to the ring and then I I think he just disappeared again. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. I think when yeah. he he was first coming out, I wondered if he would stick around for the match or have some sort of involvement, but nah, he just kinda went again. And then we have Cornette come out and join the commentary booth, which was fun for me. I certainly enjoyed him on commentary. Um, then we have the Nation come out with their two white rappers and the lawyer. So this is very early incarnation. I was trying yeah. to find out if this was the first time that they'd been on TV. Because um, JR mentioned something about, you know, uh, Farouk used to have that daft helmet and that. Yeah, 
Yeah. JR mentioned uh, something about they finally taking the helmet off him or something like that. Uh-huh, because I, I, I think I've got it at the start of my notes. Is this, like, the start of Farouk forming the nation? Is this, like, right in the beginning of it? Um, Because, yeah, when they brought him in, they had him wearing some daft helmet and mm-hmm. I, I don't know what kind of character they were going for. And then to go to quite a sort of militant character um, pretty quickly, mm-hmm. Uh I mean, I, I like where they end up going. I remember there being a few sort of early incarnations of the nation before you get to the the sort of classic like five guy lineup that they end up with. But um, yeah, I was never never big on um, the the white rappers. They they didn't do an awful lot for me. A, I'm not dynamic there. Yeah. So the this is another one of these uh, elimination Survivor Series elimination matches. And we have got a who's who of, well, I don't know what. We've got a who's who, son. Who have we got here, Adam? Heel team, we've got Farouk, as we just said. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Fake Razor, yeah. followed by Fake Diesel, yeah. which is um, the former Isaac Yankum. Yep. Uh, do you know what I was th- And obviously, who went on to be Kane. Um and Vader with Cornet, who at this point in time, I was surprised Vader, Owen, Brett weren't all on the same. Eh, Owen and Bulldog and mm-hmm. Vader weren't all on the same team because I think they they were Camp Cornet, weren't they? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I was, th- I was thinking about the fake. Well, the fake raising fake diesels is its own conversation, but fake diesel at this point, um, Glenn Jacobs has been the Unibomber in Smoky Mountain mm-hmm. and they bring him over and Vince has been to the dentist so he wants a dentist gimmick so he gives this guy Isaac Yankum and he's got shocking teeth and then they say to him well Kevin Ash is pissed off so we're going to make you the new Diesel. You imagine his reaction when they said we're going to make Undertaker's brother and you're going to wear a red cape. He must have been like what? No. I don't, this is it. <laughs> Oh, good job he stayed around. Because, uh-huh. yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> I was and, so and... annoyed when this started. I don't know why I hadn't been smarter about this, because the positioning would be really, really weird and random. But when I just looked at the card of this, I didn't know that Deezer, Diesel and Razor had left. So before the match, I was expecting to see the real Diesel and Razor. What team that have been? For <sighs> I know. Hall and Nash and Vader. Yeah. <sighs> so obviously it... we had this. That was the almost the start of this heel JR character. Uh huh. Um, so this is November. I think they. I want to say brought them out May June time maybe. Yeah. Um, and as soon as they as soon as they came out, I think you mentioned it earlier. And JR's given the whole like, why are they booing this young man? He's mm-hmm. he's better looking than the last guy that had yeah. that name. He's more talented. It's like, all right, all right, that yeah. makes sense. What's going on here? Because yeah. JR cut the whole heel promo and all that sort of stuff, didn't he? Yeah, it's, a, it's almost a brass neck to to put them on pay per view. Eh? Uh huh. Put roll them out on TV if you want for a segment. Don't put them on pay per view. Like I I. Do not have many notes for this. I was just really annoyed 
when it started. I, I just thought, <laughs> nah, I don't want to watch this. I didn't really have much interest in seeing a 50, 60 year old murderer uh, on the other team either. I, I, I just, it wasn't for me. Uh, but that took me so much more out of the match when I saw that it was the, the fake ones. Yeah, well, obviously, because uh, I thought when we were getting Austin Brett and then straight into Michael's Sid, this is obviously our, our palate cleanser. We're bringing the crowd back down to earth, which we absolutely did. Yeah. Um, face team consisting of Savio Vega, who at, I think around about 1986 must have been intercontinental level. Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah, sure, he was feeding with Austin around about mm -hmm. WrestleMania yeah. 12. Um, Yokozuna. Yeah. Looking yoked. Yeah. How? I, I, he can't have lasted much longer after this, surely. No, nah, This, this must it. have been round about the time where they were telling him to get off, you know, stop eating and all that sort of stuff. And he was determined to get bigger and bigger. Yeah. He was massive. I like yeah. the beard on him. But the... Yeah. Yeah. Just too big, though. Just Aye. too big. He doesn't. He doesn't even get in the match. He literally stands on on the apron. Oh, and I don't think back. I picked up on that. Oh. We've got Flash Funk, you know, like um, doing an audition to be what the Godfather would become later uh -huh. on. Yeah, <laughs> and he's a pretty good athlete. I, th I think uh -huh. we've 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 seen. Have we seen RVD Two Cold Scorpio? Um, on an ECW, yeah, play around about ninety-seven time, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, he was good in ECW. He was great, and to have him saddled with this sort of dancing, he's essentially a, a sort of pimp, a, a mm -hmm. black exploitation type character, isn't he? Yeah, it's just so yeah. lazy, it's so typical Vince. And then, like you said, snooker, looking like Ozzy Osbourne, mm -hmm. not knowing where he is, sort of thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, not a great match at all, was it? Nah, and uh, the, you know, it's almost like it's set up not to be a great match because the way they go to the finish, um, which is fairly, fairly quick in the, mm -hmm. I think we get a, a powerbomb by Fake Diesel on Vega, who is eliminated. Jimmy Snuka, Frog Splash on Razor, Fake Razor, to eliminate him. So you're 3-3, three, three, and then um, all of a sudden everyone's in the ring, there's chairs swinging. And the ref has disqualified everyone. Yeah, that's I felt odd. I felt like it was all designed to get a snooker moment, like uh he's just been put in the Hall of Fame, just have him have his moment leaping off the top again. Mm -hmm. I kind of felt yeah. like it was designed for that. Agreed. Bring the crowd back down, um, and then we get ready for the the world title match. I, I want to say that after. I think we spoke about this last time, actually, after SummerSlam 94. After Nash left for WCW, they put Sid in, in that bodyguard role. Yes. Yeah, that's um, right. And for what I understand, the main event here was supposed to be uh, Sean Vader. Okay. A, a rematch from SummerSlam, but it was around about that time where Sean refused to work with Vader. Yes. And, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So this wasn't even supposed to be what happened but I think yeah. it looks like they've um, made chicken salad because yeah. it, you know like from the build up and all that they're on on the same side and then they did the whole like can they work together and mm -hmm. um, fight each other and stuff like that. it's a pretty good build up from yeah. the looks of it 
It's, it's a shame that Shawn Michaels is, was such a little bitch. <laughs> yeah. Because Vader, we say this all the time, Vader, I think even JR says to Cornette on commentaries, like the uncrowned champion. Yeah. Um, it's a, I think I sort of look at it two ways. It's a shame because I don't think they ever quite got to the stage of using him in the way that would have been most effective and they may well have done if that hadn't happened with Sean in that uh, instance. But I think he's he's maybe a little bit past his best here as well. Um, like I remember see, like looking back, seeing some old clips, they, he had quite a bit of agility about him. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, and I think that's that's pretty much gone by the time we're in this era. Um, but yeah, I suppose if they're looking for somebody to step in, the crowd are, are going to be in full agreement of who they went for by the end of this. Absolutely. The entrance for Sid is amazing. <laughs> the music, the slow walk, the intensity in his face with the fist bumps with the crowd. Mm-hmm. New York love him. Yeah. And then we get the fireworks. We get the SID. They said, yeah, that's cool. I always liked that. So cool. Suddenly I'm dominant. Didn't love that. Sorry, JR. <laughs> his name's Sid. It's cool. It doesn't have to be an acronym. Uh... But a really cool entrance. And I always love a Madi- Madison Square Garden pay-per-view where they come in from that hard camera entranceway um, I think they should go back to that I, I, we've we've probably spoke about that before it's probably a, a maximising of uh, revenue and, and seats and all that but it just, mm-hmm. it just evokes uh, a cool feeling of, of the old pay-per-views yeah um, and then Sean comes out and you know the roof blows off. I was surprised at the reaction from were you? Yeah, um, I, I didn't really know how it was going to go because I, I kind of assumed you'll have Sid here as the heel. I was trying to remember where Sean would be uh, through his part, this part of his career. So when Sid didn't get like a big heel reaction, I was thinking, right, what's the reaction for Sean? I, I just didn't really know what to expect. And, um, you know, he's obviously... I think popular at this time. I think this crowd are maybe more with Sid, but he, mm-hmm. you know, I think maybe the spectacle of you're going to get a Shawn Michaels match now uh, gets the crowd quite excited at the start. Um, but yeah, the as it went on, the crowd I found really interested the the way things started to to shift. It almost felt like the crowd were split by gender. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty pretty likely. <laughs> you you got it's almost like you could hear the guys going yeah when Sid was doing things. Yeah, and, and like the the baby face reaction that Michael's got. I don't remember seeing him get a reaction like that. Yeah. there's like women pulling at him. Uh huh. Yeah, physically pulling him, kissing him on the way out. Um, it reminded me, I, I went back and watched, there's a Von Erich World Class Championship Wrestling um, documentary on, on the network, not the one that we uh-huh. were going to watch, but a, a shorter one, and that yep. was the sort of reaction they were getting when they were coming out, the women okay. grabbing at them in the crowd, trying to kiss them and all that. Yeah. Um, I, I, was, I, I was quite impressed, actually. Uh, and I, I always think 
Michaels looks good with the belt, with that belt on him. Yeah, um, yeah. He looks like a superstar. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I remember him being. I don't think it's even that because it was babyface against babyface at twelve, wasn't it? Mania twelve yeah. for that Iron yeah. Man match, um, and I, I remember the crowd being very with the decision to put the belt on him at the time, um, and I think there's probably been some antics on the go and things like that. Um, I don't know if that, as you know, your 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 maybe more male audience does that put you off a bit? Are you like? Just can't really be doing with this guy now. Um, mm. It's an interesting and, dynamic, and and Austin was almost playing into that perception as well. You know, he's doing yeah. sissy boy and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah. The thing I liked about this match was that they had really good chemistry, mm-hmm. um, and I, th- I always think Michaels does with bigger guys. I think he yeah. has good matches with Undertaker as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked that it was able to showcase Michaels' speed versus Sid's power. Mm-hmm. And they were able to use each of their um, areas against each other really yeah. effectively. Really Michaels, is, Michaels is good at selling. And, you know, in there with a, like, I've, I've got, first thing in terms of the actual match that I've got in my notes, it's just saying Sid is fucking massive. Right? <laughs> and he does like a, he lifts him up for a press slam right early on but uh michaels escapes out of it you've got michaels going after the leg a bit of logic there just try to chop him down yeah. as they say i've been a bit wise in one of my comments michaels with a figure of four maybe it's the wear and tear from this that caused sid's leg to snap oh god uh, <laughs> my bad, my bad. Sorry, sorry sid sorry don't come after me <laughs> is it still is it still alive yeah yeah, um, yeah, I think he's been at a couple of like, you know, when they do certain specials of Raw and things like that. I think he's turned up a couple of times over the last really? few years. Um, I don't think he's any desire to be actively involved in anything, but yeah, I think he's he's still going okay. Class. Um, there's a good bit where uh, Sean does the old skin the cat routine. You know, he gets thrown over, he, he holds on the ropes and brings back up and sits right there behind him, just clothesline them, poof, straight out of the ring. Love that. Nice. Yeah. Um, and this is where they end up down the aisle and, and uh, Sid looks like he's got to launch him in the crowd. He's got him in the, the military yeah. press. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that as well. He just effortlessly just flings him against the uh, railing. Yeah. I think uh, round about that point in time, JR seems to reference the, the click. Oh, does he? Yeah. <laughs> what, does I was he thinking, what, what is he going for here? Just, I, he's, I didn't have it written down exactly what was said, but I've just got JR referencing the click. Oh, wow. So, of course, this, so this reminds me, actually, I went back to check when the curtain call was in comparison mm-hmm. to here because the, the story now is that Triple H got buried. Mm-hmm. Um, Nash and Hall were gone. Michaels was the champion. Triple H was the only one that could get buried, but I mean, he was he was Intercontinental Champion here. Yeah, they, they made him out to be quite dominant. Uh huh. I don't know how buried he was. I mean, he was supposed to get the King of the Ring when the Austin got, mm-hmm. um, and I think he maybe gets that King of the Ring the next year. Ninety-seven. So I, I don't think it was it was too long a punishment. And yeah, he's still featured. He's still in a 
in a programme, he's been Intercontinental Champion. Yeah, he's, he's not been ridiculously buried, I don't think. I think the story always was he, he just took the punishment and just got on with it. Yeah. He did get squashed by Warrior at Mania. 12 there was that. In yeah. seconds. Which was never supposed to happen, apparently. They had oh, really? a whole match figured out, and then I think quite late in the situation, Warrior basically said, I'm not doing that. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um we we get quite a lot towards sort of middle uh, three quarters through this batch of Michael's just looking completely out on his feet, mm-hmm. um, and he uh, gets the point where the whole babyface comeback starts, but it gets started yeah. and stopped almost straight away. He does the old fly and nothing, uh-huh. um, and Sid catches him. I think this is where, I, is it here? Maybe it's as the comebacks go, because there's quite a few attempts at comebacks by Sean, and then they kind of get cut off. Um, mm-hmm. And there's there's elements of the crowd that start cheering the comeback, but then there's huge cheers when Sid starts cutting them off. Amazing. It's brilliant. It's quite smarky. It's, it, it's quite reminiscent of Cena and, and Roman Reigns, mm. actually, because I'm just thinking, if you like follow through what actually happens... Sid essentially kills a man and he's like cheered throughout the building. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let, let's walk through it. Sid's one-handed choke slam. Yeah. None beats that. That's amazing. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um and Kane used to do a one-handed choke slam as well, but Sid's just I think it's the the size difference as yeah. well. It just makes it look yeah. absolutely incredible. Brilliant. So for some reason. Sid grabs a camera after hitting the choke slam. I thought, oh, cool, like he's going to do like a whole point of view beatdown type thing because that's kind of what it looked like he was uh-huh. getting set to do. But um, Jose Lothario, which is an unbelievable name, um, climbs <laughs> up on the apron and Sid hits him smack bang in the chest with it. Yep. I've got your fucking hell. Sid just killed Jose Lothario. Yeah, and, and that then, just changes the the whole match, really. Yeah, the the, the crowd didn't really turn on him though. Like the ones nah. that were cheering him did not stop. Yeah, <laughs> kill that old man. Yeah, as you say, it's quite an odd, quite an odd dynamic right there. Because um, yeah, I thought, is this him? You know, have they come up with something on the fly? Is it been that the reaction for Sid isn't what they want? Do they want the heel reaction? Mm. All the cheers on Sean, but if that was the case, it, it didn't really work. No, nah, not at all. And, and and Michaels is completely, you know, he's been taken out, but then once he sort of comes to, he's he, he's forgot about the match, and, and all he cares about is getting to Jose. Um, but Sid gets him back in the ring, and Michaels tries to fight back. He ends up hitting poor Errol Hebner is in the wrong place at the wrong time again um, and Sid uses this opportunity to grab the camera and so so Michaels nails Hebner and then uses that opportunity as Hebner's down to crawl out the ring and like start calling for a paramedic for Jose Lothario so Sid grabs the camera and just nails Michaels with that as well yeah, and JR says he hopes Jose isn't having a heart attack. 
I was uh, like dripping with said, sarcasm, Jack. I just thought, oh, for fuck's sake, JR. Just, <laughs> oh, I, I don't remember his, his heel gimmick lasting too long, but this it's already shocking. feels like it's been too long in, in this, <laughs> just in this show. Remember, they, they turned, they've tried, Vince obviously a wee bit obsessed with turning JR heel because he did try a few times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they tried doing, what was it? Did JR is raw or something like that, where he was like sitting his own commentary yeah. table after he'd had his first bout of Bell, Bell's palsy. God. People were just sympathetic for him. They're trying to make him a heel. <sighs> yeah. So he's nailed, uh, Sid's nailed Michaels with the camera, gets him in the ring, hits him with a powerbomb. The crowd are fully behind this. That you get the one, two, three. We've got a new yeah. champion. A huge crowd pop, and like the, I think the announcers, they are, they keep referencing New York, you know, as if to say yeah, it's different here. You know, this right. isn't what, this isn't real. This is just in New York. Everywhere else, they, they, they. They're very wary of Sid. Love Sean. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's funny. It's funny the way that all played out. I feel like it's a great finish to the pay per view. Like I said, I came away like really happy for him. I think because he's no coming across as cartoony heel at all. He came out like intense, like he's going into a battle, mm-hmm. um, and he's really up for it. I don't really think him hitting them with a camera, and that really made me think anything either yeah no no i know what you mean yeah i think uh yeah it it felt like a like almost a you deserve it moment you know Mm. he 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 got his he got his moment i mean it's been screwed a few times if you remember when hogan turned heel and nobody went with sid in that situation everyone just uh, hogan eliminated sid from the rumble despite already being eliminated this this is all payback for for those tough times that sid went through there's a great um there's a great tweet whoever said that sentence before but somebody once asked said about that on on twitter they asked him about what why would hulk hogan have eliminated you when he was a face and and said came out with a class response it was like you don't judge the man and what he says you judge the man and what he does or something like that like, you know like essentially saying hulk hogan's a real life heel <laughs> brilliant it's cool um so that was us that wrapped up the pay-per-view. And and Sid had a moment with um, our boy Vladimir, where it, it really looked like they were like so happy. <laughs> Vladimir was really happy for him, and, and Sid was accepting it. Nice. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Overall, what what do you think? Uh, really enjoyed uh, Austin Brett. Um, enjoyed Sid Sean. Um, mm-hmm. It was fun seeing things like Triple H and The Rock uh, interact for what would have been the first time uh, on a on a pay per view. But other than that, not not the best. I think that those those were the highlights for me. What about you? Yeah, same. Pretty much exactly the same. It felt uh, quite similar to what we used to talk about in nineteen ninety eight pay per views. The undercard was pretty weak. Yeah. Um, but the top stars helped mm-hmm. to make the pay-per-view, and that's what we were there for, almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I apologise, that was my pick. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, mixed bag. Okay. So, 
So, so, what have you got for us? Okay, you know, there's there's usually a reason for a pick, right? Normally, we we come up with a reason why we're doing it. I don't, I don't know that I have a great reason for picking this. Okay. It it yeah, you you messaged me was it last night saying what have you got in mind for for next? And I was thinking I've, I've nothing. Well, I've absolutely nothing. Well, well, I well I put on the on the table what I proposed to you before you tell me what you've picked. Yeah. Uh, so, so you were um, socialising at the weekend, um, and you, you you're talking about being potentially a little bit lubricated, um, and I said to you, text me when text me when you're drunk. I've got an idea, but you need to be drunk to consider it. So I said to you, what what about doing? What about trying to cover WWECW? And even in a drunken stupor, you were wise enough to say, shut up. That's a horrendous <laughs> idea. The only good things about that would be Kelly Kelly. <laughs> so, so whatever you're about to come up with was much better than my suggestion. So let's well, hear that. It, it may be your suggestion that planted the seed. Oh. Because what I would like us to watch <laughs> is ECW One Night Stand 2005. Ooh, so that's the first. Good. The first, I think, maybe supposed to be a one-off at that point in time uh, yep. show. So I've definitely seen it once. I've never gone back and rewatched it. Um, and I, it, it crossed my mind earlier today. And then I had a look at the card and I thought, I think this could be quite good fun. Love that. Love it. I was going to text you saying, I bet you're picking one night stand. <laughs> really? I'm glad I never, because you'd have changed it. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. I'll not go through the card, um, because I think that's the sort of thing that you just stick it on and you watch and you get surprised yeah. by who's on it and stuff like that. I feel like, so once upon a time we did... We watched the the ECW Rise and Fall yes. uh, show on the network, and, and I think it was off the back of how popular that was that, that uh -huh. they came up with the idea for this. I want to say RVD was one of the people that pushed it, and uh, yeah. Heyman, yeah. obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, that'll be... Uh, I'm chuffed with that. That's brilliant. Excellent. Choice. Cool. 2005? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I had to double-check that that was the first one, because I knew... There were two in a row before. Was it off the back of the second one that I think they brought back ECW mm, yes. as its own show? But uh, yeah, two thousand and five looks like it was the first one, so that's the one I'm aiming for. Tremendous. Okay, I'm looking forward to watching that. Nice choice. That's cool. better than Elijah Burke and what other people? Vampire. Vamp Vampire. No. Vampire. Was that the zombie? The zombie. The zombie. Yeah. The Big Show. Yeah. I'm sure Big Show is ECW champion for quite a while. Yeah, I think that was a thing. Yeah. That says it all, doesn't it? <laughs> Excellent. Right. Well, we'll look forward to discussing that in a couple of weeks. Awesome. Um, until then, Adam, you, you take it easy. Cheers, um, you too. What, what, what do you think the England Wales score is? Uh, I know where it is. How long's gone? Uh, they've got about 15 minutes to go, I think. England winning easy. Yeah, 3-0. Hmm. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Yeah. Who do you, you think is going to win the World Cup, Adam? Put it on uh, record right here, right now. 
Right, okay. Oh, the SmackDown pressure. World Cup, that is. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, no, uh, that's a World Cup. Uh, France. You? Brazil. Let's Thanks. see. Yeah. Will it be done? Will it be done in two weeks? Uh, um, not quite. Not quite. Be, I think it. I think that the I, week of the final. Yeah, week. I think that's probably right. Yeah. Well, we shall see. And what about the SmackDown World Cup? Who's got win that? Uh, I don't know what that is. Oh come on! I thought you would just like throw out like a Bastian Booger or something like that. Oh right. Um, there, oh. there is. A, they are doing a SmackDown World Cup with people um, representing their nation for some odd um, reason. Shinsuke okay. Nakamura got put out in the first round. Oh, that's disappointing. After we watched him and enjoyed him the other week. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think the winner gets a sh- gets a shot at um, Gunta's Intercontinental Championship. That's what they're doing. Okay. Canada okay. would be Sami Zayn. Yeah, yeah. Sami Zayn. Go for him. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Two weeks' time. We'll get extreme. Until then, take it easy, buddy. Cheers. You too.